Hey guys, just a heads up. If you are affected by anything you hear in our latest episode, don't be afraid to seek help. You can call Lifeline on 131114 or Beyond Blue on 1300 Thank you. Hello and great to have your company for Tui's News, the podcast for another week. I'm Barry Tui and with me as always is, <laughs> drum roll, now I've, I've delved back into Roman history for this one, <laughs> the Caesar of cyberspace, <laughs> Simon McCarthy. Caesar Simon, it's got a bit of a ring to it, don't you? I, do, I do like that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll um I'll be I'll be I'll be taking control at the end of this. I'm, I might give it back to the Senate later, but um, you know we'll we'll just see how we go. Ah, dear idea. <laughs> I've been scraping the bottom of the barrel. I didn't get anyone uh, throwing them at me this week either. So if oh. anyone's out there, got a few others uh, for Simon, and they don't have to be that complimentary either, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is time okay. for a performance review. We yeah. can start uh, throwing a bit of dirt around, I reckon. Uh, well, it was, a, it was a big weekend for the Knights last weekend, um, both the male and the female. Um, two big wins, or when I say big wins, certainly from the, uh, the men's point of view, a very important win, a narrow win, an anxious win, if you want to call it that. Uh, Two-point win over the Dolphins over there in Perth uh, when... At times, all looked like it might have been lost. Um, probably didn't play as well as they have uh, for the last month, but they uh, found a way to win, and that was the most important thing. And um, the win got them up to seventh on the ladder. So the Knights, the, their destiny is in their own hands as far as the finals go this year, which is the first time in a long while we can say that. Um, they've just got to keep winning, simple as that and don't have to worry about results going their way at this stage. They have to just keep winning, and if they can do that, well, they're in. Um, if they drop a game or a couple of games, then they're going to need some results to go their way. So, yeah, uh, great position to be in. And, and our girls, the Knights girls, well, um, after a second-round loss to the Cowboys, they hit back and hit back really strongly with a with a comprehensive win over the Eels in, in the, uh, the grand final rematch if you want to call it that. Um, yeah, far too good, the girls. Obviously, the Eels had a player sent off, um, which didn't help their cause, but uh, even at that stage, the Knights girls were well on top. Um, so we moved to this weekend, and, yeah, some big action back in Newcastle uh, for both the men's and the women's. Uh, on Saturday, um, if you've got nothing to do on Saturday and you want to get down to the Newcastle Centre of Excellence, the Knights Jersey flag team take on the Bulldogs at midday on Saturday. And then on Sunday, obviously, well, there's a triple header at McDonald Jones Stadium kicking off at 11am with the New South Wales Cup game against the Bulldogs. Then at 1.50, the Knights uh, NRLW team take on the Titans without uh, Caitlin Johnson, by the way, who um, has Missed, we're going to miss a game because of suspension. And then at 4.05, the big one, the Knights versus the Bulldogs. Remembering, of course, the last time these two teams played in Sydney, the Knights, well, thrashed the Bulldogs 66 to nil, and that was the start of their five-game winning streak. So you can bet your life the Dogs will come here with uh, revenge on their mind, and uh, the Knights are going to have to uh, be up for the challenge because, as I said before, they've got to keep winning. 
Um, so it's going to be a big, big weekend of footy. Certainly a big Sunday of footy out there at McDonald Jones Stadium. Um, yeah, so I guess start getting your cut lunch together, and if you're not going to buy from the canteen, get your cut lunch thoughts together as to what you're going to have, and and uh, get out there early to support the uh, New South Wales Cup team at 11 a.m. and followed by the girls, and then the uh, the guys on it. Uh, 4.05 in, in what will be a, a huge game. If it's a good day, you know, there could be 25,000 there given the, the run that Newcastle's on at the moment. Sunday afternoon, um, Knights fans love Sunday Arvos at McDonald Jones Stadium. So it'll be a, it'll be a, uh, a big day for the club, hopefully a, a winning day for the club, more importantly. Okay, well, a little bit later in the show, as usual... We're going to have the uh, the Twitter mailbag, but we'll be back after this with our special guest all the way from England, Peter Mataudia. We're recording this. Here he is. Renault. Hey, Phil. Hey, Buzz. Are we on? Are we recording? You're ready for us, are you? Hey, mate, if you're ready, we can call me back. Oh, we are sort of recording, but I've, I've got a little intro to read first before... Uh... Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I guess this week, Knights prop, Daniel Safidi, Nathan Ross, Jared Mullen, Anthony Seabold, Jaden Braley. It's a great privilege to have uh, Tim Zhu, Mark Hughes. Hello, Hughesy. Mitchell Pearce, the greatest knight of all time. Paul Harrigan, good morning. Kurt Gidley, welcome to the podcast, kids. The one and only Kirk Reynoldson. Hello, Reno. Mate, I've been waiting my whole life for this, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my guest today, well... Um, what can I say about this bloke? He's he's uh, travelled the world to play footy. He's uh, started off in in Newcastle as a well. He came, he came to move to Raymond Terrace. He's a Knights junior. Played a little bit of footy with the Knights and then a little bit with the Dragons. Then back at the Knights and he's been over in England for uh, several seasons now. Um, I'm referring, of course, to Pete Mattiatia. Now, Pete, hang on a second. I've got to get your pronunciation down pat before we start because the last I heard, you differ from your brothers. Now, I, it's Sione Matautia. Is it Peter Matautia or are you still Matty Utai or what are, you, what are you going under? No, it's Matautia. Matautia, okay. Because you did differentiate yeah. there at one stage, didn't you? Well, it was just... Like, I remember playing um, Toyota Cup, and when I tried to say it properly to everyone, I had a different last name in the game, so I thought Matty Utah would just be the easiest way, and then my brothers were getting pissed off, so then when they started playing Toyota Cup, they just went that way, so then, yeah, just stuck with it. Yeah, well, I, re- I remember we, and we in the media I'm talking about, we always referred to you guys as um, Matty Atia. And then it sort of uh, it changed to Maddie Utai, and uh, now yeah. it's now it's Matautia, which is probably rolls off the tongue a bit better. How are you, mate? Yeah. What, how's things in in England? Yeah, it's um it's great, man. We um my family and I really love it. Um, this is our sixth year now. Um, life's good. The weather's the weather's up and down, but uh, the rug the rugby side of it is good as well. You know, um, it's a yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great experience, man. Fantastic! You you're actually playing for Warrington. Big news over here and obviously over there as well, given the departure of your your coach a week or two back, 
Um, Sam Burgess is going to be coaching Warrington next year. Are you, are you re-signed for next year? You're staying over there with Warrington? Um, yeah, I've got an option in the club's favour. Um, I think um, we're just still in the process of trying to sort it out now. But yeah, um, hopefully, hopefully I'm still here next year. Yeah. And and what do you think of Sam Sam Burgess coming in? What's been the vibe over there? Um, we haven't really spoken too much. Obviously, like we're still, you know, our coach only got sacked last weekend. We're in a bit of a rough patch at the moment as a team. So, um, you know, I think we're meant to have a Zoom call with him this week. I think I think after we have that as a team, we'll probably sink in a bit more, and then the boys can get. A, get like, you know, more vibes about it and stuff like that. But it's pretty exciting, you know, especially if you're a young English player to have someone like Sam Burgess come and coach. Um, you know, he's done everything in the game that you'd, you'd want to achieve as a player, um, besides Origin, um, which I reckon he would he would have played that easy if he could have. And, um, yeah, I'm excited for it, man. Well, mate, you, you started the season on fire, you blokes. You, I think you won your first eight games. Um, obviously, the likes of Paul Vaughan came to the club. You've Matt Dufty's there. You've got George Williams, who played at halfback for the Raiders there a few years back. Uh, Sam Cassiano is a name that most uh, people over here will recognise. And as I said, you I think you probably lead, well you were leading the comp after after eight after the first eight games, but you've lost your last six um, Super League games over there. The wheels have fallen off. You've lost, you've lost your coach. Are you, are you still in finals contention? Are you still a chance to turn things around? Yeah, I think we've got six games left and we're sitting up fifth. So, you know, I think if it wasn't from the start we we had, we wouldn't be in a still in a decent position, to be honest, right now. And, um, yeah, like you said, the wheels have fallen off a bit. But, yeah, we've got six games to try and turn around. And um, I have all the confidence in the world that we can do that. Um you know, and, and get in that top six by, by the end of the year. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, mate, we're going to go back. And, and firstly, I'm going to find out about the origins of your nickname because um, people call, everyone calls you Peanut. Now, that, that to me is a bit of a derogatory nickname, I would have thought. But what, what's, what, what's the origin of Peanut? Honestly, I have no idea. Oh. I, I just remember having a few drinks with... Um, you know, the boys when I was first coming through the team with Wares, you know, House, Houston and all them and next thing I knew come to train on Monday and everyone's calling me peanuts, so um, Did you eat all the yeah. peanuts at the bar or something or what Yeah, what? I think so. I must have. Um <laughs> Either that or something else. So Surely it's not yeah, a derogatory term. Right. It wouldn't be a derogatory term, would it? Nah. No, nah, no way. Um but yeah, that's still honestly that's a question I want to ask Wes. You know, when I retire and head back home, is where'd you get it from? Find out where he got it from. It's, yeah, Wes and uh, Wes and Junior, I think it is. I think they're the culprits of it. Yeah. Okay, so is it is it stuck over there? Is that they they call you that over there as well? Yeah, it's stuck over here as well. Yeah, yeah stuck everywhere I went, man. Well, you know that when I um. I, I spoke to Stioni on the podcast of your brother about, I don't know how long that was, so six or eight weeks ago now, and um, I said to him, mate, I, I want to talk to your, your older brother as well at some point. Can you send me his, send me his phone number? And um, he, he sent me the phone number, and all it, all it had on it was Peanut. didn't have Pete <laughs> <laughs> Matoudi or anything like that, just Peanut. So even your brothers call you that. 
Yeah, Steve Cosmin out as well, yeah. <laughs> no, it's pretty cool, man. Well, mate, you guys... Um, you're born in Bankstown. I think um, all the family was basically born in Bankstown. You're, the, you're one of, I think, seven. You got three brothers and three yep. sisters, and um, yep. we'll, we'll talk about the the move to Raymond Terrace soon. But you sort of played some played some footy, lower grade footy at the Knights. I think you started. Well, you played in the NYC team in which was the Twenty Ones in back in two thousand and eight. Uh, you played Australian schoolboys yep. in that year. I think you played for Samoa the following year and you made your NRL debut uh, in 2011 against the Sydney Roosters. You scored a try, actually, on debut. What, what are your memories of your debut in the NRL? Um, it was the best, the best, one of the best days of my life, to be honest. You know, obviously, with, you know, growing up with a single mother and um, and just being able to you know, it was, a, it was my mum's dream to, to, to see us all debut and, and pay for the night. And, um, I remember I remember Rick Stone telling me that um, I was going to debut, but I couldn't tell anyone. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, they didn't want anyone to know that. I think it was Jimmy Mack who pulled out injured. Yep. Um, but it was... Yeah, it was it was one of the best days of my life, man. Because you know, I, I just all I wanted to do was to try and be a good role model for my little brothers and show them that you know it is possible to make it and to do it for your your, your home club. To was just you know the icing on the cake, and um, yeah, how, I, yeah. How long did you have to keep it secret for? Um, well, I could only tell my family and. Um, and that was it, just until kick-off, yeah. Okay, so that you had to trust them. I was, I was, I was scared. I was, I was scared that it would get out as well, so I didn't really want to tell. I didn't really want to tell my family either because, you know, I told my family a secret and I will find out. So. Yeah, well, your brothers have got big mouths, haven't they, probably? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> would have went to school and told everyone. <laughs> oh, yeah, but yeah, man, it was, yeah, I, I, still, get, I still get chills and, you know, big, big smiles talking about it. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Mate, tell us about, uh, I think it was the following year in a New South Wales Cup game, and I can vividly remember writing about it, actually. Um, back in 2012, my memory's pretty ordinary, but I do remember that. Um, you had a pretty ordinary experience on the field and, and some anxious moments in hospital, mate. Can you remember what happened? Yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday, but... Um I remember trying to make a tackle. I was playing manly at the time, and um, I got elbowed by a play called Big Morris. Um, it was an accident; like it wasn't on purpose or anything like that. And um, you know, I remember once, as soon as I get, got elbowed, I just started coughing straight away. And you know, I looked at my hand, and I had blood on my hands, and my my throat just kept, you know, feeling like it was closing up at the time. So they they took me off the field. Um, you know, now the doctor at the time, I think it was Neil Halpin, and you know, he was saying I need to go to hospital just in case. Um, you know, the worst could happen, which which ended up did happening. Uh, my throat closed up because I broke my voice box. Um, mm. So at, at the time, I didn't know, but every time I was trying to breathe, you know, blood was just flowing into my throat and just filling it up. So I got rushed to the hospital, and then. Um, 
you know, my mum was there, you know, she, she just dropped me off and said, you know, I'll see you in a bit. Um, she literally just got outside of John Hanna Hospital and got a phone call back saying, oh, your son nearly died. Um, you need to come back. So, um, yeah, just short story. It was, um, I remember going into the CAT scan and, um, you know, I was only in there for about two seconds and I stopped breathing. Mm. And I just remember, like, you know, I said something's wrong here and climbed down the CAT scan. Still couldn't breathe, and I just, I just said to myself, "Shit, I'm gonna die." Here. And um, yeah, I just remember banging my chest, crying. The two nurses were just trying to hold me down, and you know, I was just stressing out. And the next thing I knew, I woke up in the um, ICU room, which is blood all over my chest, and and yeah, that's that's what I knew of it until I got the rest of the story from the from the surgeon who. You know, I was lucky because the surgeon was meant to be upstairs um, and he ended up just coming down just by coincidence to check on me and he ended up cutting my throat open and chucking the tube down my throat so I could breathe, um, which is pretty lucky because the nurses, um, I think it's, they, they're not allowed to do it. Um, they, they weren't allowed to do that bit, so if the surgeon left me, I probably would have ended up just dying. Yeah, an emergency tracheostomy, they call it, which I've yeah. seen people do on TV at times, and, they, and you're right. I mean, I can understand because you cut in the wrong place or put the tube in the wrong place, then you're in trouble. So you need someone, you needed someone there to um, to get it done for you. So a bit lucky, but it, it, it um, yeah, you were out for the rest of the season, obviously, ruled out for the year. I don't know how, I can't remember exactly what part of the season that was, but um, I guess you were thinking you're lucky stars. Yeah, 100%. You know, and it was, a, it was a big eye-opener for me. Um, you know, that, that moment then just made me, you know, realise, you know, life's too short and it's the reason why I live, you know, life to the fullest now. Um, you know, I don't really take too much to heart in life and I just try and make the most of every moment now. So, um, and it's something I try and preach to my, my little brothers and, and my kids now. Um you know, just try and stay in the moment, enjoy the moment, and make the most of it. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Mate, the following year, 2013, um, I think you probably struggled to get back into first grade. At, at some point during that season, you signed signed with the Dragons for two years. Um, what was the thinking behind going to the Dragons? Um, it was just opportunity, really. Yep. Like back then, like, I remember 2008, I started my first preseason, and just the, the team, the squad we had was ridiculous, you know, and the whole back five and even some of the the backup players were all origin and international players. And, um, you know, after that debut and my debut, I just I just wanted more, you know, I just I really wanted to play in a row, and I just knew being behind Jimmy Mack, Aki, um, junior wears, gags, kids. It was just going to be tough for me to get to that route, and I, I wanted to play it at, at the moment. Yeah. Um, so that 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 was the main reason um, why I went to St George, and I had a really good year that year. Um, in reserve grade, I made the New South Wales residents team, and I remember we played Dragons at um, in Wollongong, I think it was, and. I had a good chat with, with Mary at the time. Paul McGregor, the coach. coach. Yep. 
Yeah, he was a reserve great coach for Dragons, and um, you know he he just basically told me that I'd I'd have a good opportunity there, and you know I just took it with both hands and I ended up you know enjoying it, and and it was probably the the best decision I made. Yeah, well you played um ended up playing what, I think thirty. 35 NRL games for the Dragons in what, two and a half seasons before you actually came back to the Knights. Um, Nathan Brown got you back. How did that happen in 2016? Um, it was pretty crazy, to be honest, because I, I, had, I had two good years at Dragons um, and I wanted to stay and re-sign. And then, um, obviously, being down there and just watching my brothers play, um, and itching and trying to, you know, uh, we grew up wanting to play with each other. Um, and I thought, you know, when I spoke to, to Brownie, you know, I thought if I didn't take this chance now, I don't think I'd ever get it. Um, that was the only reason. That's because, honestly, I was enjoying my time at, at Dragons. I didn't want to leave. Um, but, yeah, I just thought if I never took this opportunity, I probably would never get to play my bowlers again. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Otherwise, I would have stayed. I only just, I only just re-signed the Dragons then as well. And I think I was only like halfway through, or a bit short of halfway through my first year, and and I wanted to leave just, just for that purpose. I just wanted to play with my brothers. Um, you know, let my mum see us play together. You know, make all the sacrifices worth it, and yeah, that was it. What, what about playing with your brothers? Then, what was it like? Yeah, it's 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 undescribable, Dad. You know, something like you, you grow up, you know, watching your mum go through all these, you know, these challenges and adversity, and you know, you, you promise yourself you want to do something to help her, and um, and then to be able to do it, you know, it's it's I don't know what it is. It's it's so hard to describe, Dad. But mm. you know, man, we. We talk about it now. We we always, you know, say we're grateful to the Knights because they were they were there like every step of the way from when I was like 12 years old, you know. And and if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be where we are today. And and like we'll, we'll always be grateful to the club. And um, you know, if, yeah, if it wasn't for them, you know, we, we wouldn't be where you are. You know, I sort of get emotional now. Yeah, that's it. And they yeah. they they basically. You know, they saved our lives, the Newcastle Knights, you know. Um, they changed our lives and, and yeah, they made, they made an unbelievable big difference. Yeah. Well, it's fantastic. You guys had a little bit to do with it as well, though. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, um, yeah, we'll always be grateful to the government. Good stuff. What What about the reasons for going to England, mate? I mean, you, you um, I think you started off at... What, at Lee in um, 2018. Uh, then you went to Castleford. Um, you were there for, what, three seasons or four seasons at Castleford. I think you played about 60-odd 60, 60 games at Castleford and you've now played 50-odd games at Warrington in the past couple of seasons. So what was the attraction What was the attraction to going to England? Uh, to be honest, I didn't want to come. Um, I, my last year at Newcastle... Um, I was playing decent footy that year and um, my manager and the club were talking about re-signing me and then um, you know it was, it was everything was good at that time and then 
just got to a point where they kept saying, you know, um, next week, next week, next week. And then after a few more next weeks, I've just got over it. Yeah. Um, my ego sort of got in the way. And I just, I was just saying to my wife, we just moved back here, we moved back home. I don't want to move anywhere. So then I reckon halfway through that season, I decided that I was going to retire. Uh, that was going to be my last year. Um, I was happy with and content with what I've done in rugby. And, um, and yeah, I just said, look, this is it. We're just going to hang it up after this year. And, and then, um, you know, Brownie did end up coming back and offered me a year. Um, but I knew they were bringing in Tao Moga and Brownie told me himself, you know, like, I'm bringing in Tao, he's going to start. Yeah. Um, you're just basically going just to be behind him. Um, and, yeah, being being told that, you know, not even having a chance to, you know, do pre-season and fight for a squat on top of, you know, how I, I felt the process went earlier. I just, yeah, I was just over it. My ego got in the way. Um, and I was just over it. And then come to just before the World Cup, I uh, got a phone call from my manager um, about St. Helens were keen. Um, they wanted to sign me on a three-year deal, but I had to do one year at night just because they couldn't um, free up cap space for the next year for me to come. Yep. Um, but yeah, I just wasn't keen to play for nights. Um, like I said, my ego just got in the way and I would prefer just to hang it up. Um, at the time and then uh, oh, I think during during the start of the World Cup my manager got a phone call from Lee and said you know there's an opportunity to come and play here um, and my wife said look if I, don't, you know, I think if you don't take it up you'd regret it um, and luckily I did it's been the best one of the best decisions I made in rugby league yeah because Lee this side of the world Lee wasn't in the Super League at the time, were they? And that's that's no, what, that's yeah. So they just got relegated to the championship. Yeah, that's what, um, and that's why you ended up at Castleford, I think, in that in that first year. Yeah, so uh, we we knew halfway through that season that we weren't going going to make the semis. Yep. To get promoted, which was the club's ultimate goal, to get back into Super League. Um. So then they ended up selling me to Cass. And then I spent the next three and a half years at Cass. Um, which was unbelievable. You know, I got to go to Wembley, play the Challenge Cup final. You know, I got to take my kids to Wembley. Um, got to play my brother. And then the, the boss at Cass, the, the coach at Cass, ended up going to Warrington and took me with him. So that's okay. how I ended up at Warrington. Okay. That, the 2001 Challenge Cup you're talking about, the, the, you lost the final to St. Helens 26-12. to 12. I think Sione, was Sione suspended for that game? I can't remember whether... Was there a reason he did he play in that game? Yeah, he got suspended the week before. That's right. Yeah, so he missed out yeah, on to playing. To be honest, he's, he's turned into a grub since he's left Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Has he really? Yeah, he's not that little innocent. Central <laughs> winger that we used to watch back in the days. Now, guys. <laughs> well, I want to read you something, Pete, because. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I want to read you a few quotes that you were attributed to you um, in one of the English publications over there about actually playing against your brothers 
or, or your brother. And and here, here's the quote. I feel like once we started to play against each other for the first time, I think that became surreal for them because I didn't treat them any different. I was still a grub to them. <laughs> so how was it playing against your brothers? I mean, you you talked about wanting to play with your brothers. Is it does it feel a bit strange coming up against them, or they, or do you can you just once you get over the white line, can you just treat them like somebody else or anybody else? Yeah, no, but I love playing my brothers just as much as I love playing with them. Yeah. Um, I can't say the same for my mum; she hates it. Um, but yeah, I've, we've grown up, you know, like it was our goal to make to make it in the NRL, and one of first things I said to my brothers was, look, doesn't matter who you play, you know, your team comes first. Um, that's that's who you have to represent. You know, that's who you have to be loyal to. So whether you played me or your best friend, like even at junior, junior club level, I was saying this then, you know, because growing up, you always played your mates and I always said to them, you know, it doesn't matter who, who you play, you have to treat them like any other player. That's including me. And I remember our first game against... Um, my first game against my brothers, holy shit, it felt like I was, a, I was like every other player to them, but they just came, came out flying and everything. So it was, it was funny, like the man. backyard so, again, was it? Yeah, exactly like the backyard, except it wasn't two on two, it was three on one. So. <laughs> uh, very good. So England's been terrific for you, mate. Obviously, there's been some, you've had some. Um, I guess issues off the field. I know one of your young kids got in, had a bit of a health scare at one point. Yeah, uh, my last year in Newcastle, we um we could tell my son's belly was a bit bigger than normal, and they just kept saying to us it was just the um uh, what do you call it a hernia. Yep. So we were sweet. We went back, got to England. Um, halfway through my first year, we took him into the hospital, and they told us that he's got a tumor in his belly, um, size of a football. So oh, hell. Um, I was at train at the time, got a phone call from my wife. Um, and yeah, man, just broke into pieces, really. Um, didn't know what to say, was pretty speechless about it. But the hospital was outstanding. You know, it's one of the best hospitals in the world, so we're pretty lucky. You know, I feel like we're meant to be here for him to, um, for him to, you know, to get his, um, belly swollen. Mm. Um, but man, yeah, he's he's the biggest inspiration in my life. You know, to see him go through all that um, with the chance of dying, because the um, the tumor grew grew over the blood vessels in his in his stomach, so they weren't able to see um, if they were going to cut through a blood vessel or not. Okay, so it was it was a scary operation then, by the sound of things. Yeah, yeah, it was, man. And for a few weeks, you know, I woke up every morning crying and he'd come up to me and say, you know, Dad, it's all right, I'll be okay. Um, and for me, I should be the one saying yeah. that to him. Yep. Um, but no, he's all good now. Um, I think he's got a couple more checkups um, and then that that will be it. But, yeah, Baz, he's, he's my biggest inspiration and he's not a bad little rugby player, which is why I'd like to, you know, probably come home soon just so. I could take him through the night system, which is one of the best systems in the world, I reckon. Yeah, I, I guess I guess it's been um, has it been hard for your mum that um, 
you guys. I mean, the two of the other your other brothers are still here, and your sisters are obviously still here. But um, the fact that you and Sione have, uh, are overseas and have been for a while, how hard has that been on your mum? Yeah, well, we're her two favourites, so I think that's why <laughs> that's why it makes it a little bit tough for her. <laughs> um, she, um, Chanel and Bags aren't too much help, but no, nah, yeah, she, she's on the phone a fair bit to us. She calls us a fair bit. Um, you know, we got to go home last November for the first time in five years, which is pretty, pretty cool. And um, yeah, she's always told us, you know, just enjoy it over here. Home will always be home, and. It won't be going anywhere. So are you looking at maybe at, at best another couple of seasons over there before you come home? Is that what you like to do? Yeah. Um, I'd like to come home soon, just more because of my son. Um, yeah. I want him to, you know, he wants to be a rugby player when he gets older and I want him to try and go for the system back home. Um, and, you know, I've been doing a lot of mental health work over here and, you know, um, coaching a lot of nurses and, and um, doctors and firemen and stuff like that. And hopefully I can try and, uh, you know, get into the welfare team at the nights, if not, um, you know, somewhere else. But, yeah, I reckon a couple more years, um, you know, and I think it'll be time to just bring my family back home and, um, yeah, put my kids first, really. And Sione might be thinking along similar lines, you reckon? Oh, man, every year he says it's his last year and somehow he ends up here for another two years. So, um, I wouldn't be taking yeah. any notice of what he's saying then. <laughs> no, nah, I'll just wait for him to be on that plane back home and then um, I think that you'll know that's his answer, yeah. Yeah, fair, fair enough, mate. I, th- I think um, I did a tally and I think it's you're pretty close to 200 top-grade games. I think you've played about 110 Super League games. Um 76 NRL games, so it's you're pretty close to playing 200 top grade games. So you've had a good career, mate. What are you, 30, 32, are you? 31? Yes, 32. 32. How's the body? 32 with five kids. The body feels great. Well, you got five kids, uh, have you? Yeah. Wow. My wife only wanted, my wife only wanted four. We ended up having twins, so. Oh, okay. So you got the yeah, extra one. So what are you driving yeah. around in a bus over there or something, are you? Yeah, a little yellow Tarago. <laughs> and the kids love it over there? They enjoy it over there? Yeah, my kids love it. Do yeah, they? They, mm. they love it over here. Uh, but they'll be happy to come home, will they? Or? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they'll be happy to come home, you know. They, they love their cousins. They miss their grandmother. Um, both grandmothers, sorry. And, um, yeah, I just think, you know, I've, I've been being a rugby league player you got to be really selfish, you know. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've, I've been that through my whole career. And I've basically put rugby first, um, which comes at a cost. You know, for me, it was family time. And I'd like I'd like to have that have that back. And, um, you know, I've always wanted to play in the Newcastle Comp as a kid too. And I don't want to go back then, you know, in bad shape and not be, you know, I don't find it. I don't find it fair, you know, just to play rugby if, if you can't actually do it. Yeah. So, um, so will you come, sure still, who, who, who will you come back and play for? Are you going to play against Pat, who's playing for Maitland, or are you going to play with Pat at Maitland? What's the plan? Yeah, I don't know. 
so we talk now we, we'd like to play um all four of us want to play one one year together before we all hang it up so okay whether that's in Newcastle comp or you know um, pub footy comp not too sure but we'll eventually do that um but I don't want to go to Maitland because I know they've been winning it every year you know um I'd like to go to a team and help a team win it, okay. uh, a different team. Yeah, but I would never say. I like I like Sparrow. Sparrow works at Maitland, and he was a big, big influence in my my career as a kid. Yeah, yeah, and at the Knights, um, I never said. You know, I always said I'll never play for West as a kid, and I think that went down the drain about ten years ago. So, yeah, I'm not too sure who that, but I am looking forward to just coming back, experiencing the the Newcastle atmosphere again around the local parks and just playing um, some local rugby, yeah. Fantastic. Now, mate, I'm going to go back, take you back even further and we'll talk about, um, you know, the fact that you, as I said to you before, you, you guys were all born in Bankstown. You're all Sydney boys. Um, but you came up to, you came up to, uh, to Raymond Terrace to, to basically live um, after your mum split from your dad under pretty acrimonious circumstances. Um, tell us about your early life and how tough it was for you. Yeah, we grew up in a broken home, um, you know, a pretty violent home. Um, 2001, I just remember getting woken up by my mum one morning and um, she said, we're gone. We didn't have a clue where or what was happening. She just said, just follow me. Next thing we knew, we were at a train station, hopped on a train, and then the next train station we got off was Broadmeadow. Um, and then, yeah, that's how our life began in Newcastle. Um, it was pretty tough, man. Mum had to work two jobs. How old were you, Pete? How old were you then? I was, I, was, I was turning 12 that year. Okay. So you you were aware of what was happening to your mum, and were you back then, or was it you were still a bit young? No, I, I, was, I was pretty aware of it, um, you know, but being a Polynesian kid, you, you grow up getting taught to respect your elders, you know, and I, I, I was too young to even try and interfere as well, you know, so basically just, I just sat there and just watched everything that happened, you know, and... Well, that must have been um, terrible, watching your mum being abused like that. Yeah, to be honest, to, to be honest, man, it was... And I just didn't know how to deal with it, you know, because I was trying to, I wanted to protect her, but then I was trying to shield my little brothers and sisters away from what was happening. And, um, yeah, which is, you know, I don't, I don't like to say I'm glad it happened, but, you know, it has made, made me who I am today. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have any regrets, you know. I appreciate who I am today, and if it wasn't for my past, I wouldn't be where I am today, so, yeah. So, has there ever been any contact with your dad? Um, you know, he contacted, contacted us a few times. Um, but, yeah, nothing too major. Um, so, there's, then, no, there's no real relationship there with any of you? No, not really. Um, yeah. We probably, we saw him the most when we found out he was going to die, really. Um but yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't really a part of our lives at all. Mm, so, so you virtually became the father figure almost, didn't you? 
yeah, I tried to. Well, I just, I just wanted to be a good role model for my little brothers um, and my my little sister. You know, um, which is probably what what I struggled with as well. Uh, which is probably why I got my fair few off-field incidents as a kid um, at night as well. Um, and the club stuck by me and helped me through which is why I say, you know, I'm pretty grateful to the club. Um, you know, they'll be, they'll be for my family a lot. Um, and you, you talk, you talk yeah. about, you, you talk about your mum working, you know, two and three jobs and you, you would, you were doing some stuff to put, earn money to put food on the table as well. But I, I know, um, I know there were times when you went without food just to make sure that your brothers and your younger sisters had something to eat. That's how bad it was. That's yeah. how tough it was. Yeah, my, my, you know, how Matthews, you know, she boils you, you know, we, we get taught as kids, you know, make sure you got a good diet, make sure you're eating this, you know, chicken, protein, vegetables. And, you know, I'd be sitting in them meetings sometimes being like, you know, I didn't even have dinner last night. You know, we had nothing to eat. And then sometimes we just have to have bread and butter. Um, you know, but yeah, just at that time, I just knew if I just stuck in there, you know, um, if I just did what I could and and still somehow make it through, you know, my, my brothers and sisters, you know, they, they would also know that there's a way out there as well. And, um, yeah, thankfully we did. And um, like I said, rugby in the nights, you know, they saved our lives, man. Talking about saving your life, your your mental health um, suffered considerably at, I think in your late teens, um, to the point where you contemplated taking your own life. Um, are you, do you talk about that openly? I know you, you I know you're talking about, um, your mental health and the fact that you've been through a lot of it, which means that you can sort of talk to people about it. What, what do you tell them? What, what was your experience and, and what do you tell people that you associate with now about it? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very open about it. Um, Baz, um, I like to see it as something that can make a difference in other people's lives. Um, you know, my story. Um, for me, it was it was just making sure, like, you open up about about what you're going through. Um, you know, whether it's talking to somebody. Um, you know, with my clients now, like, if they don't like to talk to anybody about their, their problems, I get them to write them down. Um, you know, and it makes a massive difference. Um, just being able to, you know, it's not it's not what we carry that that hurts us. It's how we carry it. Mm. Like all our problems, you know, all the weight, all the baggage that comes with it. So that that experience I went through, you know, just basically, um, you know, opened my eyes to make sure that I'm open with what I'm going through. Um, and even even other people, you know, they might seem happy, um, you know, but you never know what they're going through. So it's always good to be kind. It's always good just to ask the question, you know, how you doing and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, perception is a is a massive thing. It's it's helped with my my perception of life, and it's one of my biggest values is to um, you know, just see things how not. What's the word like? You know, basically how we view what we do will always affect how we do what we do. That's um, mm. that's that's how I see life. I, and I guess back then you didn't have anyone 
probably that you could lean on, which is probably why you you suffered as badly as you did. Yeah, you're right. I, I didn't have the support um, I wish I had back then. Um, and I didn't want to tell anybody out the lights about it because yep. I still wanted to. I'm a Knights player and I knew, you know, I couldn't let anything stop me from becoming a Knights player. Um, Plus you're a, a role model to your, to your brothers and sisters, so you obviously didn't want them to see you in a vulnerable state either. Yeah, well, my, well, my three little brothers... And my wife now, who was my girlfriend at the time, found me hanging in the closet. Um, and one of my best mates. Um, but this is how much I put it away. Back. I thought it was just one of my brothers and my wife that found me. Um, until I remember doing an interview over here last year and Sioni come up to me and said, Pete, he, I was actually in the room. He remembers. And I've seen everything. Yeah. Um, so, which is, yeah, a big reason of, of not trying to hide your problems away. Like, this whole time, I thought it was just one of my brothers that went through that situation. And, you know, TC only told me that, you know, it, it hit me. Um, it hit me pretty deep that for him to go through life this whole time knowing what he saw, and I'm living life thinking he didn't see it. Yeah. Um, you know, and I never once apologised to him. I never got to apologise. I never got to ask him you know, how you were or I'm sorry you had to go through that until 10 years back. So I didn't open up about it until two years back. I never told anyone about me doing that. Mm. You know, me trying to commit suicide until about two years ago. So, but ever since then, yeah, I've been open about it every every day. Um, whoever needs help um, or if anyone asks me about it, I'm open. I'm happy to talk about it. Mm. Mm. Well, I'm glad you came through the other side, mate. Um, I'm glad. I appreciate it. I'm glad your your girlfriend and your brothers, well, to a certain extent, um, found you in time. Um, because now you've got a what? You've five kids yourself. You've got a great family yourself, and um, you're helping others in and around playing a bit of footy. You're helping others um, with the same sort of problems that you you had back then, which is um, which is fantastic. And and look, it'll be it'll be great to see you back. Back in Newcastle, and and hopefully um, it'll be well when you want to come back for a start. But um, when you when you do get back, and your brothers are back, and and it would be fantastic. It's a great story for you to have a season of playing footy together again. Um, appreciate it, both. I'm looking forward to it, man. Can't wait. Until then, though, make sure you um, do as well as you can on the field over there, and and hopefully another season or two before we do see you. That'd be the plan, eh? Yeah, no doubt. That's the plan. Good on you, Pete. Great to catch up again, mate. I appreciate it, Barry. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, mate. Ta-da. Yeah. There he is, Peter Matadia. And um, that, that'll probably come as a bit of a surprise to a lot of Knights fans who uh, didn't know the background about um, Pete and his struggles and what he went through. And we've only just touched the surface of of um, what he would have went through as a, a teenager to, to witness, you know, what happened to his mum and then to um, then to not have food on the table um, at certain times growing up and, and um, yeah, being a sort of a father figure and the pressures that obviously put on him 
all the while while he was playing footy as well. So you just don't get to know exactly what's going on behind the scenes with um, some of our players or some of the players in, in, in the game or anyone for that matter. So yeah, it's a great, great story and it's a great story that Pete can now be helping others in, um, you know, a similar fashion that I guess he would have loved to have um, been helped back in the day. Okay, the Twitter mailbag. What have we got this week? Um, Corey Tutt, is Michael Dobson staying on next year? Um, well, I think so, Corey. I haven't heard that he's not. Michael Dobson's obviously the um, Pathways boss, and there's no suggestion that I've heard anyway. I don't know that whether you know any more than I do, but um, there's no suggestion that he's not uh, going to be here next year. I think there's some big plans underway for pathways and development at the Knights. They've already started some of it, but um, I think the uh, the West Board, you know, they'll be approached in the near future with um, a request for some more money to uh, throw at the pathways and development and get the Knights back on track as far as that goes. Um, opinion. Do you think the Knights will shop Dane Gagai to free up cash for a younger centre and keep Bradman best? Uh, little Larry, no, I don't think they will, simply because obviously Bradman best is is contracted to the Knights next year, as is Dane Gagai. Gags comes off contract, as does Bradman best, at the end of uh, 2024. So I, think, um, I don't think there's any suggestion at the moment anyway that um, Gags is going to be shopped around for next year. Um, but whether he's re-signed beyond um, the end of 2024 remains to be seen. That might be an issue, and Gags might want to go to England like a few of the other ex-Knights boys have done and a few of the other NRL players have done at the back end of his career and have a look around Europe and and maybe spend a couple more years um, uh, or the back end of his career over there. We'll have to wait and see what happens, but uh, there's no suggestion at the moment that the Knights are going to shop gags for next year uh alex kpp that's uh kai pierce paul uh the new recruit from england that's coming out for next year seems like he's going to slot in fitzy's spot in the back row but how do you see will price fitting seeing as fullback is locked up and we have three decent halves signed for next year how big an impact do you think they can have in year one. Well, Will Price is the young 20-year-old um, utility back that's playing for Huddersfield, I think, that can play full-back, probably play in the centres, 5 Um Where he's going to fit in next year, well, I don't know at this stage. And, and obviously a, a full pre-season with the club, along with Kai Pierce-Paul, um, might throw some light on where he could possibly play next year maybe on the wing uh dom young's leaving i know they're looking for a replacement for dom young but um uh he could play he could fill in in the centers he could play five eighths um yeah I, we'll just have to wait and see um early next year it's a little bit hard to know exactly where he's going to play at this stage but um certainly a, a quality player with a, a a lot of upside and a lot of potential so I'm sure the Knights will uh, get will get to see the best of both Will Price and Kai Pierce Paul over the next couple of seasons. Uh, 
Uh, Ryan Aldis, what was the go with Jake Clifford? He couldn't get out of here fast enough to move overseas. Then he was ready to come back and we didn't get a sniff at re-signing him. Seems like bad blood between him and the club. Uh, look, Ryan, uh, Jake Clifford obviously went to uh, Hull. He played this last season or this season, English Super League season with Hull in England. Um, and he's on his way back. You're right, he's on his way back to the NRL. He's re-signed with the Cowboys, um, which is where the Knights got him from in the first place. He's, he's, a, he's a North Queensland boy. He's a Townsville boy. His wife is a Townsville girl. Um, all I'll say about Jake Clifford is that last year he had some issues off the field, some personal issues off the field, um, some family issues that he struggled to deal with, uh, which affected his form. Um, I'm not sure what the story was as far as going to England. Maybe that was a chance to get away. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, he if, if he was coming back, I think he was always going to come back to, to uh, Townsville and the Cowboys, put it that way. Uh, that's where his wife's from. That's where he's from. He grew up there. Um, and I think he's more comfortable there. Um, it didn't work out in Newcastle. He's certainly a talented player, but um, there were certainly some things behind the scenes there from a family point of view that um, affected um, Jake's form. Um, and I would say that as far as bad blood goes, I don't think there's any bad blood between Jake and, and uh, anyone at the Knights, to be honest. Um Certainly not with the players anyway, and, and I don't think, well, I, I'm, I know so with um, with the coaching staff uh, at the club. So that's all I can tell you about that, Ryan. Uh, Knight 97, are we in the market for any forwards? Uh, no, Knight 97, the club isn't in the market for any forwards. Um, they've only got two spots left in the roster following the re-signing of Anari Tuala. And uh, Dylan Lucas, earlier this week, there are two spots left in the 30-man roster for next season. And the Knights are going to fill those with um, wingers. They're in the market for a, an established NRL winger. Just who that is, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure the Knights are even... Uh, they'd, have, uh, they'd have identified some possible targets, but they may be still contracted to other clubs, so... I don't know that that's going to be uh, – uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens there as far as who they may get out of somewhere else to come and replace Dom Young. But um, at this stage, um, they, won't be so re they won't be signing any more forwards for next year as far as NRL quality forwards anyway. Uh, KD, who do I need to petition to get a Knights game in Christchurch, Baz? <laughs> uh, KD, um, one of our – New Zealand supporters, obviously, uh, lives in Christchurch. Um, KD, who do you need to petition? Well, look, the Knights have a history of not wanting to move home games from uh, from uh, McDonald Jones. I nearly said Marathon Stadium. McDonald Jones Stadium. They've got a history of not wanting to play their home games elsewhere, which makes it difficult then that, you know, um, I guess maybe if you petition the Christchurch Council or um, – someone in Christchurch with a lot of money that's prepared to pay the Knights a lot of money to bring a home game over there, or you could maybe petition the Warriors to give up one of their home games in Auckland and take it to Christchurch. You might see the Knights that way. But um, 
other than that, I've got nothing for you. Sorry, KD. That's the best I can do. Uh, the Axe of Druss. You got any idea what that means? The Axe of Druss. Yeah. There's got to be a, uh, a historical, that sounds to me like an historical, yeah. doesn't it? Druss. How do you spell Druss? D-R-U-S-S. You, can you Google that while yep. I keep going? I'm on it. The Axe of Drush. <laughs> <laughs> okay. With both SAFs injured, are there any good middles in New South Wales Cup ready to step up to NRL squad to cover? Um, yeah, not really Axe, to be honest. Um, I think they'll, they'll uh, cover from, you know, some of the guys that have already played the NRL. Brody Jones obviously comes into contention. Um if both SAFs are out, um, there's, there's a couple of other guys that may come into contention for a spot, but um, there's not really any middles that are playing probably well enough in cup um, that I'm aware of. Um, I could be wrong, but um, I think that the coach will probably go with the, the tried and true or the tried and tested Otherwise, in other words, he won't be blooding anyone to come in and play NRL at this stage of the season. I wouldn't think we're so much on the line. Uh, Tommy knows Knights. Any word on Dom's replacement, Baz? Um, Tommy, look, no, there isn't any word on it because I don't know who they're looking at. They are looking at some players. I don't doubt that. And there are some, you know, some off contract. Well, not off contract. They're they're contracted players, which makes it difficult because obviously you've got to get into a negotiation with clubs that may want to shift a player or whatever else that goes on behind the scenes. But it's difficult um, to get a name out of anyone for that reason, that they don't want to be seen to be trying to get someone to break a contract. Um, so at this stage, I don't know who they're looking at or potentially looking at. All I know is that they they want to replace, they want to use one of those spots to replace um, Dom Young with an established NRL winger next season. They could potentially um, maybe put in a, a sign a centre and potentially move Gags, I guess, to the wing um, if there was a centre became available. Uh, but look, yeah, I, I don't know at this stage. Sorry, I can't help you, Tommy. Um, Tom Hagen. The Mayor of Scone. If you were looking for a chief type forward leader and had the opportunity to sign a middle forward in the comp for the Knights with an open checkbook, who would you take? I'd take Tino. Uh, Tom, yeah, one of these questions that um, don't really matter because they're not going to happen. Um, uh, if, if I'm looking at middles at the moment, Tom, uh, he'd be right up there, Tino, obviously. Um, definitely. Um, if not number one, he'd be pretty close. I guess Payne Haas is the other one. Um, I'd probably take Tino over Payne Haas, to be honest, although, you know, I'd take Payne Haas too. The, the two that I think, um, from a culture point of view and just, I think they're outstanding players, Cameron Murray is probably more of a, well, he's more of a lock, but he's still a middle to a certain extent, but he can play on the edge. So I just think he's a... He's a great player. Jake Trevojevic, I think he's would be great for the culture up here if you were talking about bringing a player in. Uh, as far as form goes, probably the, one of the form front rowers in the game, Adam Fenua Blake from the Warriors. I don't think anyone's going any better than – any middle's going any better than him. Um, 
but like I say, it's a bit of a hypothetical, isn't it? Because it's not going to happen. We're not going to get anyone. So, but any any one of those, I'd take any one of those uh, four or five without a problem. Uh, Tom Binky, rumor doing the rounds is the Storm would release Justin Olam if approached. Is he someone we would look at? Shift gags to the wing. That fills Dom Young's departure. Yeah, look, um, Justin Olam seems to be on the outer a little bit at the Storm. And it's funny because I think uh, the game that when the Knights beat the Storm up here in Newcastle was the day, was the weekend that um, Oldham, after that game, lost his spot. Um, I don't know whether he's back in this week or not, but I uh, haven't a look. But, um, yeah, he's... There's a bit of speculation around that maybe he could be let go, presumably because Melbourne's been linked to Payne Haas. But, um, yeah, I'd take him in an instant. He may be too expensive. Um, but, uh, yeah, he'd be certainly a player that... Imagine having Justin Olam and Bradman Best playing in your centres. You wouldn't like to be uh, marking either of them. Uh, but whether he does become available and whether he might be out of Newcastle's price range uh, remains to be seen. But I can see where you're coming from, Tom. Um, Tom again, actually another one. Any word on who may be looking at Bailey Hodgson? Now, I don't, I haven't heard anything about Bailey as to what he's doing, whether he's going back to England, Tom, or whether he's, uh, I know he wanted to stay and try and um, give the NRL another crack if it wasn't in Newcastle or somewhere else, but I haven't heard whether anyone is uh, looking at Bailey. He's obviously at the moment trying to get over another injury, which wouldn't be helping his, um, his cause as far as signing with someone goes. So, um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see there. But um, I'd say at, at the moment he's probably more likely to go back to England than anywhere else, but you just never know. An NRL club may come knocking. Um, Daz Mackay, is the club still looking for a new recruitment guru? Yeah, I think they are, Daz, as far as I know. Um, there's no rush, though. I think they, they put a they put a uh, ad well, there used to be an ad in the paper, but it's not an ad in the paper anymore. They put an ad online for um, a recruitment boss, and they got a lot of uh, applicants, but none of them were up to standard or as to who you wanted anyway. So they're going to have to headhunt to get a recruitment boss, um, but that'll probably come in the off-season, um, I would imagine. Uh, we'll wait and see on that one. Your mum, 23. Baz, hope all is well. Any word on Jack John's re-signing? Uh, I can tell you that Jack Johns won't be re-signed at the Knights, your mum. Um, you also go on to ask, does Jack Hetherington have naked photos of AOB, Adam O'Brien? How else does he get a game over Johns or Lucas, etc.? No, look, Jack, Jack Hetherington cops a bit of stick from Knights fans, but um, I'm not sure why. I, I can understand earlier in the season when he... Um, when he was struggling a bit and wasn't getting a lot of game time. But I think Hetherington, apart from the odd um, brain explosion, which he's had a couple of, um, apart from those, I think his contribution on the field has been pretty good in the last month to six weeks. So I haven't got a problem with Jack. And he's uh, yeah, he's gonna, he's getting some more game time with uh, with the Safidis out. So um, I don't – yeah, I don't have an issue um, – don't have an issue with Jack, to be honest. Uh, and lastly, how many? How sorry? How much dollars are you putting on a newy premiership for for twenty twenty three? Your mum, I haven't got enough money to be putting 
$8 on the Knights to win the comp at this point in time. Uh, I wouldn't have minded having some money on them to make the semis about probably eight weeks ago. Would have been a decent um, would have been a decent price to make the semis, which they're, they're a chance of doing. But, uh, yeah, I'm not sure about the premiership. But, hey, you never know. You've got a dream, haven't you? Uh, oh, you've got an, another one. Your mum, 23 again. Thoughts on going for Tino, Fafita or Hass? Uh, no. I'd love to have any of those three at the Knights, but um, it ain't going to happen. Sorry, your mum. Um, and lastly, Charlie Drummond. Hi, Baz. Great interview with Phoenix last week. Thanks, Charlie. Yeah, he was good, wasn't he? I got a lot of great feedback about Phoenix last week. Um, some of them now saying that he'll be a future Knights captain after listening to him on that interview. So there you go. There you go. Can you get Matt Croker on? Yeah, there's another player that some fans think could be a future Knights captain. Uh, my question is, who is your tip for starting hooker next year out of Phoenix and Brailles, as in uh, Jaden Brailey, and how will the other be used, 14 or New South Wales Cup? Oh, look, there's a, there's a fair bit of talk on social media, uh, and particularly Knights social media, about um, Phoenix, Crosland, and deservedly so. He's been going great. Um, as I say, we spoke to him last week, and if you hadn't he- haven't heard that interview, you should look it up because um, it is a, it is a great interview, and he certainly um, you know enhanced himself big time uh, this season, both on the field and off the field. As for next season, look, it's a long way away. Braley's got to come back from a uh, another knee reconstruction, depending on how he is. To start the season, I've I got no doubts he'll be the starting hooker uh, if he's fit and and rare and ready to go. But um, if he's not, then obviously Phoenix will I'll get a look look in. But Phoenix will be be the fourteen. He won't be playing New South Wales Cup. Uh, if if Braley's hundred percent fit and starts, then Phoenix will be fourteen. He can look after hooker. He can play uh, in the halves. So he's a he's a good uh, he's a good player to have off the bench if need be. So, but hey, um, there's some competition there and there's nothing like having a bit of competition um, to get the best out of players, which is why the Knights have, have um, brought Jack Cogger in, for example, to, to potentially put some pressure on in the halves as a backup, but also as someone who, um, if he plays well enough, will get a look in himself. So as, as far as um, you know, wanting to be up there with the... the best teams in the comp um you gotta have a little bit of depth and a little bit of pressure and some good players underneath to be putting that pressure on which is um which is what we're seeing with the knights now with some decent recruitment okay that's it for another week yeah um in case you're interested um Druss is a david gamel um fantasy character 1993 book um apparently Druss was a Pretty fearsome dude with a big oh, white beard. With, and an axe, obviously. Yeah, he had an axe. Where axe was go? called, uh, hang on a minute, the axe was called Snagger, S-N-A-G-A. Snagger. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, so there you go. More you know. Yeah. 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 You learn something every day on this podcast, don't you? Today's trivia has I been brought to you by Simon. <laughs> <laughs> Caesar Simon. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, that's it for another week. Um, We'll be back next week with uh, another edition of Two Issues, the podcast. Thanks for joining.